I might do the up and under. I thought you prefer to be as, as uh, hairy as possible. Yeah, but like, I, that's mostly because I don't like shaving it because it hurts. But if it's just get waxed one one time, did you ever see Four Year Old Virgin? I don't think it's just one time, dude. I did, but I don't know that I'm as hairy as he was. No, he was pretty good. I do got a nice bush. I'd trim. I'd trim the bush up pretty good before I went in there. It mostly be like the the grundle and the undersack that I couldn't get. Welcome back to your football fantasy. Grab a drink, roll back your foreskin, and let Dwee's Nuts, Big Wiz, and the Bullfrog stroke your fantasy loins. Hey Wiz, we have one more episode after this one before the actual fucking football season gets started. You excited? It's pretty terrifying. I'm not sure if I'm ready for football to start. What are you more excited about, though? Is it your? Is it the start of the football season or your fantasy draft, which is tomorrow, uh, Saturday? Saturday. Yeah, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah. Um, which one is more exciting to you every year? The draft is definitely the most exciting part. God damn it! It's the best day. Yeah, of the, isn't it the best day of the I year? I would go the best day of the year, but it's pretty good time of the year. I can't get my home week to all get together anymore, which would make it a whole hell of a lot better than it is now. But uh, yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, football's coming. Should be fun. We've just got one more of these show, uh, preseason shows before next week where we start breaking down week one. I don't know where the summer has gone. Yeah, no shit. The summer fucking flew by. and I enjoy football. I really do enjoy football. I love watching football. But what terrifies me is actually what comes in like December and then just snow for fucking misery for the next three months. Oh, you, don't love, you don't love living in Michigan in the winter? I like the snow up until the end of February and then I, or middle of February and then I want to fucking anything Yeah, get it. a couple of good months. Yeah. December, January, a little February in there. I agree with you. But come April snowfalls are not my thing. March snowfalls? Fuck no. Tough, yeah. At the end of February, I want nothing to do with it. Maybe it'll be a gentle, gentle winter. We got it hard at the end of last year. But see, actually, I missed all of it because I was gone. Where the fuck were you? I was in India, and then I turned around and went to Whistler and skied oh, for... I, yeah, no, I do remember that. Did you break something on your ski trip? No. Your what? buddy broke his leg right before something. No, like buddy tours... Yeah, one of the guys I was going to go towards ACL. Good go. Correct. I, you know what? You ski... I ski anyway. Like, fucking man up. That's what I said. But you have never... You've skied once in your life. Also, you don't need... Do you really need an ACL for skiing? Uh, you just put on a board and you go down the hill. You might allow that. All right. Well, uh, yeah, so let's do it. We're going to do our last show here for the preseason. It's a big one. It's our busts show. We're each going to pick a couple of guys, and we're going to tell you why you should avoid them in your draft, why they're not going to be worth what you have to pay for them at the very least, right? Well, this is not necessarily going to say, hey, this guy's going to suck. He's going to be tight end 20 or running back 50. Just that where you're getting them in drafts right now is not where they should be going. It's not going to be worth it. It's a waste of your draft pick. Avoid them at all costs. If we're lucky, Bullfrog will show up. He's, I think he dosed his wife and he's waiting for the <laughs> sleeping pills to kick in. So if, if she passes out, he'll be here. If not, he won't. Otherwise, it's just the two of us and I'll do my best or you can to read through his notes and tell you who his busts are. But uh, let's start with the news to buy him some time. This week in football. Starting the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver room. Two interesting bits here. Our 
what, third and last dynasty draft pick. We took him in the beginning of the second round there. Hakeem Butler, a guy that looked great coming out of college but was not really thriving in camp. Well, he broke his hand, sided, uh, some kind of a fracture that's likely to land him on the IR here, or at least potentially. Is it for certain that he'll be on the IR, or is this that bad of a break? I mean, typically, hands... I mean, there was the, the Erlacher one where he tore his wrist apart and he was out the entire year. Is this that bad? Well, it's... So, I, I read something that the recovery can be anywhere from four to eight weeks on something like this before you're 100%. And the big difference between, like, an Erlacher and Hakeem Butler is... Hakeem Butler's a wide receiver. He makes his money with his hands, right? So, if that hand ain't working, if you can't squeeze that ball... Yeah, but the, I, I think a Sterling Shepard breaks his thumb... He's out four weeks. Yeah. This guy breaks a hand. Is he really going to be out for the fucking all 16 weeks here? Well, if if it's seven, eight weeks, then it would behoove the team to throw him on the IR, right? They save some money or something. I don't know. Or they save that roster Roster spot. spot. They can give it to somebody else. Um, Speaking of that roster spot, they went out, and I don't know if this is done deal yet or not, but it looks like Michael Crabtree is going to be the newest Cardinal. So the obvious and they cut Kevin White. Don't forget about that. They cut Kevin White, right? So the obvious question is like, is this just a depth move to fill that Kevin White role or that hole on the roster, or does Crabtree actually pose a threat to Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, um, Andy Isabella, the other rookie on this team trying to make ways? What are I'm not sure this hurts Kirk at all. I think Kirk is supposed to be the number one. He's supposed to be the deep threat to be able to do everything. Um, I think this does impose a little bit on. On, on Fitz slightly. I think Fitz is still going to have a role. Fitz is still going to be Fitz. I mean, Fitz is one of the best receivers ever played the game. Um, but who this really imposes more than anyone is Isabella. Crabtree's going to come in and take a take his spot. Crabtree's a big take receiver. T- take take touches for sure. I loved Crabtree when he was in Oakland. Last year was, you know, disappointing. But uh, it, he can play, he can still play in his old age. So he's similar. Receiver fits, just poor man fits. He's going to, the difference, the big difference is Crabtree likes to make his bank on the outside and Fitz mm-hmm. is a slot guy. So yeah, it's got to be Isabella who was hoping to take that, that zero on the other side of Christian Kirk. Um, but all things will be told in time. Let's uh, move over to the Steelers here. I, I just put this on here just to say this out loud. The Steelers offensive coordinator came out this week and said point blank, Vance McDonald, who People are in love with Vance McDonald after Jesse James left that Steelers team. It says Vance McDonald will not see more snaps this year than he did last year, even when they had Jesse. They had Jesse James and Antonio Brown. Yeah, so I I can't see how this would be possible, but I want to put it out there to you. Maybe be a little more. I've seen in the past couple of days Vance McDonald going tight end four in mock drafts. Well, that's where I had him at. I had him as yeah. four. So be. Wary, maybe? Do you it's believe this offensive coordinator? It's the OC. Do you believe this offensive coordinator? I, I said this before. How is this show. possible? What I've said before in the show is when coaches in the preseason say good things about their players, you can pretty much write it off. But when they're saying things that aren't very good or aren't very good for fantasy purposes, I tend to take those a little bit more seriously. Of course, it also comes down to like the game plan. Maybe Vance is not on the field as much, but if nobody else is getting it done, well, I mean, there's a couple things here. When Vance played, I think like his his ratio on, on on passing plays, Vance was was sky high at a very good good ratio compared to Jesse James, who just had a bad ratio because yep. he was always the run block. If Jesse James isn't there, I, I'm not sure. I can't believe this guy is actually he said this or he just didn't understand the question. That'd be my guess. 
It's not possible what he just stated. So you're not you're not moving him. You like him at four still. I still think he's gonna yeah he's gonna be phenomenal. I mean again I I'm, I think Big Ben is still there. I will talk about Big Ben a bit later. Um, Did you draft him yesterday in your draft? <laughs> I really want to. <laughs> I, we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll see. Oh, so so let me ask you this then. You're you're an auction guy. Mm-hmm. What what do you normally pay for tight ends? What are you willing to pay for Vance McDonald? Well, I'm willing to go all in on Ertz this year. Okay. Um, so I w- I I prepared to spend twenty some dollars on Ertz on a two hundred dollar auction. Two hundred dollar auction. I I intend to go get Ertz. Um, the reason being is is Kelsey's already gone, Kittle's gone, and I think if you have the ability and you can lock in a number one at their position, and Ertz can compete in wide receiver, I think it's, I'm I'm willing to make that gamble at Vance. Um, if you don't to, get Ertz, if I don't get, I I will go in on Vance. Uh, probably eight dollars, nine dollars. Okay. Um, big jump, big drop. Yeah, big drop. But I mean. I, to me, Engram is Engram is, is probably comparable to Vance here, and again after that, it just it, it dwindles way down. OJ so. Howard's kind of going in that same range. Sure, but I mean, I guess what I would say is I'd be willing to go get Vance at seven dollars and Ertz. Okay. Do you think Engram goes much more expensive, higher than that? I just I'm just trying to get a feel for the tight end position in auction. Ingram ten, Ingram ten, Vance probably seven, okay. and Howard probably ten. Gotcha. That'd be my guess. Okay. I don't like Howard as much as I like Ingram or Vance. So take the okay, take the cheaper guy. Take the Vance. I can't wait to see what that roster looks like for you. Mind you, ooh, I drafted yesterday too. You did? Who would you go get? I did not take Vance McDonald. I will tell you that. Hey, <laughs> right. okay, look in the mocks that I've been doing recently. I've been I've been targeting Evan Ingram, who I think has. I right now I'm I'm got Evan Ingram as my number three. Yeah, the the. Reason I don't like Ingram as much as like Vance is, is the the team that he plays for. Um, sure, the Pittsburgh should put put up more points. I can't believe they wouldn't. Um, and even for that matter, I think Howard will put up more points than Ingram. I think Ingram is, you know, when we're talking about point one point five points per reception. Ingram's a little bit higher. Um, yeah. I just don't see his touchdown total being the same for the, either the other guys. It's, yeah, to me, it's just it's going to be uh, percentage of workload. I mean, the guy's going to get such a target share because there's there's nobody else, but. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Barkley, uh, wh- I- hundred receptions and three hundred carries. What do you think? Barkley, yeah, only guy on the team. Oof. <laughs> he is pretty much the only guy on the team. Uh, let's move on here. Let's talk running backs. Let's talk talk those top tier running backs. We got two holdouts right now. As of recording time, Zeke was recently offered a new contract. Would make him the second highest paid running back in the league behind Todd Gurley. Gurley's four years, fifty-seven million, averaging about fourteen million dollars a year. We don't know the exact details, as at least not today, of what Zeke's offer was. We don't know if he's accepted it or will accept it. We know he wants to be paid the highest in the league, but at least there's movement in the negotiations here. Yeah, I think I think Zeke will sign. He might not sign on this deal, but I think they're they're getting towards the deal that he wants. It might be so much as you prove this one, and if you prove so much, you'll get, you'll be next year will be the highest paid. Sure. Um, yeah, I think I think Zeke will close this deal in the next few days. Yeah, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, he's already on the roster and he's right back to the number one or number two overall. Ah, uh, he's not going to be number one. Or two. He'll still be number three. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I like him. I wouldn't hate you for taking him one if he signs over today. Barkley. Yeah, I I mean I have him I have him ranked I have him ranked four actually. Okay. Still wouldn't hate it if you did. Uh flip side of this, look, there's there's movement in the Zeke negotiation. 
a total fucking deadlock in the Melvin Gordon negotiation. We just said this uh, before we started recording. Every few days, a quote-unquote new piece of news comes out, but it always says the same yeah, thing. That's the best offer's been made. Gordon's not interested. There's no movement at all. Gordon's working out in Florida by himself. It's funny you say that, because when I asked you that, I was thinking like, oh, you heard something, yeah, like you heard this something new. No, but you heard the exact same news you've been hearing for the last eight days. Every every couple days, the same fucking thing comes out. So we are relying on Melvin Gordon to sign this contract for our fantasy team. He's not we, going to. We just turned down the best trade offer we're going to get for Eckler and Justin Jackson because we thought, you know what, it's it's Gordon or bust. But it is for year. us, isn't it? It is. So I I can't tell our listeners don't ever play for the fucking third spot. Ever. It's, it's, it's Gordon or bust, and we're just hopeful that the kid comes. Ten million dollars is a lot of money. A I, year, I don't know if we're Melvin. playing. I mean, here's an interesting take on this. Are we playing for, if Gordon comes back in week five, can we run, run the table and win out and, and, and go for the championship? I think that's a better option than it is to trade him away and win four or five weeks. Yeah. I just, I, I can't tell my listeners that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have even traded him away, but we would have been getting rid of some of our, our depth and using these other guys. And I can't promise that we would have won more games than lost. And yeah, if he comes back week five, walk we're walking into the championship. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to win that many games uh, in a in a deep roster 12-team dynasty league in order to get into the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Fuck it. We're all in on Gordon. Melvin, if you're listening, because our show's all over the place... <laughs> Just sign your fucking contract. It's $10 million. Yeah, get bro. over yourself, goddammit. You're $10 million worth it. Demand a trade next year after we've already won the trophy. Let's talk about DK Metcalf. You've been high on DK Metcalf. Have you not? I'm not sure I've been high on DK Metcalf. I think that's... Uh, you may have been drunk on your wine that night. But I, I did drink a whole bottle. One of the two of you has been high on DK Metcalf, saying he's going to score all these fucking touchdowns. Well, it's not me. I think... He's getting a surgery. Yes, he is. We don't know what kind of surgery. We know it's a knee surgery. And it's worse than I initially thought. The team is real cagey about exactly what it is. There are doctors all over the internet that postulate on what sorts, what these things are. One of them on Twitter, Dr. Jesse Morse, belongs to the Fantasy Doctors website. They, they're pretty, they're pretty good as a website, relatively accurate most of the time. He says his best guess, and to be clear, this is a guess, he hasn't seen the MRI, he has no more information <laughs> than us, his best guess is that it's um, a, a meniscus tear, uh, and he's anticipating three to four weeks before he's back playing, uh, he says maybe week three before he's 100% on the field, now obviously, you know, the team says, oh, it shouldn't take too long, he'll be here no time at all, um, but yeah, at least this one doctor says if this is what it is, which is his best guess, three to four weeks before he's back in the field. Uh, in fact, he said it's the exact same thing that happened to Sony Michelle last preseason, and that did not take him long to get back. And when he came back, he hit the ground running, so to speak. So my only word of caution here on these on these rookie receivers: typically, they just don't pan out. They're, they're, you have a good chance on your rookie running backs, in in somewhat for your rookie quarterbacks producing, but on rookie wide receivers, it takes them a year. The only stat that you can hope for with rookie wide receivers, they're not going to get a ton of targets. They're not going to get a ton of catches. Their yardage is going to be minimal. But a rookie wide receiver can catch a bunch of touchdowns. I mean, look at Calvin Ridley last year. Juju Smith-Schuster okay did that. Did a ton of touchdowns. ton of touchdowns. So DK, who is all he does is run straight, or jump high in the end zone when he's already three inches hey, tall. You know who else did that? Was Kevin White. How did he pan out? Oh, 
yeah. He well, he didn't. I mean, he what? Yeah, he, he went straight in Virginia. Has he played an entire game in the NFL yet? No. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Whistle, yeah. Whistle to whistle. Has he? Yeah. Okay. He's no longer in the NFL. No. He <laughs> might. Get, I'm sure he'll get picked up again. Um, anyway, so there's what's going on. We don't actually know what it is, but here's this best guess: three or four weeks. If you liked DK late, late, late last round or two. At this point, probably just don't draft him and pick him up in a couple of weeks to see what happens. But like Wiz said, he's a rookie, and uh, they kind of suck. Who's your favorite rookie wide receiver? Which one would you be willing to draft? Uh, that is a good question. I really like Jalen Hurd. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be used in a lot of different ways, kind of like Percy Harvin was a couple you know years ago. Um, so I like him. Um, I, I thought... Debo Samuel showed some intri- you know, some was intriguing in when the game that I, w- I saw him play, a little speed. Um, but I probably would go with Hurd. My favorite, thanks for asking, uh, that'd be Paris Campbell. And the reason I think Paris Campbell is he's a screen guy. There's part of the reason it takes wide receiver, rookie wide receivers so long to to get good in the NFL is they have to learn how to read defenses as they're running routes rather than just running prescribed routes. Screen guys don't run routes. Paris Campbell, like you said about Hurd, is going to be used in a lot of ways. Yeah. He'll get a lot of carries. He'll get a lot of screen passes. I think that translates a lot easier from college over to the NFL. So I think I think he's got an opportunity to do well in a yes. PPR league specifically. Um, but that's that's that. Let's go on. You've got an interesting stat for us today. I think. <laughs> I fucking hope it's good. I don't know. Big wins. You expecting me to guess thirteen different guys? I am. So, mm-hmm. so we're talking about wide, wide receivers in general. You know, we're talking about bus pretty soon. Randy Moss. But we're talking about wide receivers, okay? And we're talking about wide receiver pairs, wide receiver teams. And I want to know receivers wise, but only receivers here. What percentage of these receivers? Their number one wide receiver, number two, or number wide three wide receiver. The first two were within ten percent of each other in target share, right? So if the first number wide receiver number one had twenty percent of the target share. The wide receiver number two had eighteen percent or great or greater, right? Okay. So, so, they were close. so close enough that you could draft either one of these guys and you'd be comfortable with it. This okay? is just last year. This is just last year, okay? and there's seven teams that were like this. That that the parity between these two positions was pretty damn close. And you want me to guess the teams? Yeah, and, and keep in mind there's seven of these teams. The Vikings. The Vikings was one of them. Good job on that one. I'm gonna guess the Bengals. The Bengals is not Tyler Boyd destroyed AJ Green thirty four percent to twenty three twenty four. Really was hurt. But okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, let's have another team with a couple of receivers. What about the Bucks? Tampa is not no, on that not. list, buddy. Sorry. Chris Godwin. 32 to... Um, Adam Humphreys and Godwin were within 24 and 22% of each other, respectively. Okay. What about the Miami Dolphins? Because they didn't have any receivers. Um, another bad one. It was close. Sorry. Amendola did it, beat out Kenny Stills. And your boy Albert wasn't even on that list. That's because he got hurt after week four. <laughs> Tight ends have an impact on them. Because they take all targets away. There you go. Philadelphia. There you go. So El Aguilar beat, who you haven't mentioned fucking once this offseason, and you were in love with him last offseason. Well, I saw his yard and a half per catch. 35.1% to 33.3. So Aguilar and Jeffrey very close to each other. So we're going with that and sticking with that for San Francisco? Or? San Fran is not, sorry. But Pittsburgh Steelers. Antonio yeah, Brown. I, I didn't know that. 160 to 166. Yeah, 169 yeah. to 166, right? So that was another, th- within 37 point, let's see, 7 tenths of a point with target share. That's a good one. All right, let's go to, fuck, 
The Chicago Bears. Allen Robinson, 33.7. to Tyler Gabriel, 33.3. How about the Carolina Panthers? Another good guess right there. DJ Moore, 25.9. Funchess, 24.9. How many is that? Um, you are missing one more, two more teams here. One's out in the West Coast. Um, ran the ball a fucking ton last year. That'd be the, well, it's not the Seahawks. It is. Really? Oh, well, I guess Lockett had very few targets. Actually. Lockett only had 71, and they still had Baldwin at 73. Wow! Okay. Yeah. It was at Baltimore. It was. Yeah. So Crabtree had 31.4 and Brown at 38.5. See, some of the shitty receiving cores were on there. I just picked the wrong ones in Miami you did. and Jacksonville. And, it, and the flip side of this is there are six teams who, the number one, doubled the number two receiver. Okay, I'm so just going to give those two quickly. That's, that's Atlanta. That's New York Giants. That is not Atlanta, by the way. That's Houston. That is Houston. Green Bay. Yeah. KC. Okay, yeah. There's no, res- no, there. no number two. How about down south? New Orleans. Oh, the C- yeah. Oh, we just said that last week. There's no number and, two. And, and we're going to talk about two of these guys, but uh, Tennessee is another one. And then the other last team here, and we're going to talk about them, is the LA Chargers. Allen did have 46.5% of that target share compared to Mike Williams, who had 22.6. Yeah. Part of that reason is that Mike and Tyrell Williams negated each other for a lot of that. A lot and, of that. And Gates was still, and Gordon got some. So, I mean, but, but, I guess my point is, is that he was still, Allen was still used a lot. Okay. And again, target share fucking matters. Yeah, but what that one of the things that tells me is that there's plenty of wide receiver twos that are even worth be in your fantasy one if you want to go a couple of wide receivers out of the gates. And keep in mind a lot like Cup, Godwin, Pettis; those are all in the in the, in the wide receiver three range. So yeah, guess a good one. And now for more dumb shit I heard this week. Donald Trump, who, by the way, if you haven't heard, is the chosen one. <laughs> See that interview? Looks up at the sky, puts his hands out, says, I am the chosen one. That's why I'm ruining your economy. But uh, that's not the dumb shit today. I want to talk about Greenland, man. Donald Trump made it very clear to Denmark, leading up to his visit to said country, that he wanted to buy Greenland from Denmark he thought it'd be great if the U.S. Well, discuss it. owned Greenland. Uh, well, the whatever it is, President Archduke or whatever, whoever the fuck runs Denmark, some chick, she said, look, douchebag, we don't fucking own Greenland. Greenland owns Greenland. I'm not going to sell you something that we don't own. Plus, it's pe- I don't sell people. Like, that's fucked up. You're an idiot. You're an asshole. And Trump responds and says, well, fine, I'm not even coming to Denmark then. Screw you. Actually, what Trump said was, what Trump said was, look, we defend Denmark. We are the muscle behind Denmark. We're the bullies that stand up to anybody that they want to fuck with. So, of course, they're going to make a deal with me. I can make a deal. I'm buying Denmark. There's, there, I don't think he said he was going to buy Denmark. He was going to buy Greenland. Oh, Green, whatever. Okay. I don't mind him ar- ar- arguing on the fact that NATO that people should pay more for NATO besides the U.S. That was good. I, I'm all behind that. Yeah. Bob okay? just, that Bob was just talking about him trying to buy Greenland. Can you name which president tried to buy it in the 40s? Try to buy Greenland? Yeah. No. Eisenhower. So Trump wasn't the first idiot, man. <laughs> so, I guess my point here is... Oh, did you hear him say, I wasn't that disappointed in Trump on this. Did you hear I him mean, say that he wanted to trade trade Puerto Rico for Greenland? <laughs> no, I did not. But I would make that trade too, so. That's a good offer. I think that's a good... I think that one was a joke, to oh. be fair. But. Oh, I would do that one. 
Oh my god. Oh, my father-in-law. That was not as good as dumb shit last week. BDS is really fucking pissed off at Donald Trump right now. Well, because he's a Jew and he voted Democrat. So now he's a traitor to his people, according to Trump. All Jews that vote Democrats are traitors to their people. I did not hear that. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's going on this tirade about Israel, right? Like, well, Trump supports Democrats Israel. don't support Israel. If you're voting Democrat, then you're a fucking traitor to your people. So that BDS get all pissed off about that? He's so pissed off about that. What is, what is, because he, he, he despises Trump, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Because he's a smart man. <laughs> I want to go that far, but okay. Well, there's a lot of research that, that backs up the idea that the higher IQ you have, the more likely you are to vote Democrat. It's just the truth. Plus, Trump's an idiot. I would also not say that. That's I will true. provide you the what research next week. I will cite because my I want to know what sources are they like in the. I mean, like downtown Chicago votes Democrat all the time. Sure, we're big cities, and those typically do not have the highest. Uh, all of all of fucking Wyoming votes Republican. You think those are? Some I, I mean, there's some argument <laughs> on that. Yeah, the Panhandle point. of Florida. I'll fucking vote yeah. Republican. Yeah, and I mean, you could you could state that. I mean, I'm not sure who voted for Trump in general, right? Like he was bullfrog. I I, I know Froggy did. Froggy. So the doctor, the doctor claims to be the smart. Doctor, no, he doesn't. He, he says he wants to take the SAT. The doctor says he's a genius. I I promise. I've heard him say that before. Yeah, but how many med schools did he get into? One. I did have my daughter ask him. My almost three year old daughter asked him if he washed his hands today. You want to know why? Because he didn't. Because he was going for the the. Uh, Prostate today. Prostate Ooh. exam. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, your kids, man. All right, we don't have a drop for this, but it's time to get into the main event. It's time to talk busts. Here are some guys. Pamela Anderson busts. She's got those. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So does Jessica Rabbit. Let's, uh... Have you ever jerked off of Jessica Rabbit? Of course I've jerked off to... Of she course I've jerked off high. to Jesse. Did you not? Oh, I did. Numerous times. I couldn't... Get, I couldn't, as a 10-year-old, get that out of my head. There's a great movie... A great new movie worth jerking off to. My wife likes to have sex with it on because she thinks it's just very sexy. What the fuck is it called? Oh, that's good. I can't remember. I'm so glad that you brought this one up if you can't think of the name. Is it a porno? Wife! You a lot I didn't do now. Wife, I have a question for you. What's the name of that movie that we like? Sucker Punch is the name of the movie. If you haven't seen Sucker Punch, turn it on. (laughs) Put your dick in your hand or your ladies if she's nearby because it's going to go down. It's pretty good. Sucker Punch is good? How hot is it, wife? Are you recording right now? No. How hot is it? Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty damn hot. Fuck yeah, it is. Is anyone in Sucker Punch? Nobody you'd recognize. So it's just a bunch of like fucking high school kids. Oh, it's great. (laughs) It's, It's good information. It's great. I will tell you that there is a transorbital lobotomy in the movie. So if that gets you hot, if that doesn't get you hot, then you're fucking dead inside. Interesting. Let's talk busts, baby. Got it. Go. Why don't you kick us off? Who do you want me to kick off with? One of your busts. Don't care. Actually, start with your running back because he was, if I did three, he'd have been my third. Um, yeah, so... I'm going to choose with my running back. It's going to be Le'Veon Bell at number six with the New York Jets. Um, there's just not a lot, I think, to like about him. He's 27 years old. That's three years removed from being at age 24 where the top screen running back is, right? So age is going against him. He now plays for Adam fucking Gase. Ugh. Right? He's no longer in fucking goddamn Pittsburgh. He's at the shittiest fucking head coach there is. 
Uh, again, without Peyton Manning, Adam Gase has been 21st or worse in scoring. That's just in scoring, and he runs the fewest plays per game. Who's the Oregon coach? Got fucking uh, played for coach for Philly. Needless to say, he taught us that you more plays per plays. game, you more points you put up. Adam Gase somehow doesn't believe in that. He believes in what the black unicorn who's suspended for four weeks. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Dow Loggins is the fucking offense coordinator. You know who else made a shitload of plays all the time? Who? Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You know who didn't? Miami. Um, their offensive line is, is in the bottom third, 20-ish. I said 20-ish because it's somewhere between 21st and 23rd, depending on where you're actually looking. Um, but last year they were 29th in yards per carry. They actually did protect Sam, Sam Darnold okay. They just couldn't fucking run the ball. And I agree Bell will help with that. But not that much for making him productive. He's here's the good thing. He's going to get the touches. That's not that's not the problem here. Um, but he's in the downside of his career, and there's better value elsewhere. We talked about it before. Cook, Mixon, James Conner. Those you can all get them later, yeah. cheaper, and they have a higher upside, higher ceiling than fucking Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely, I'm 100 percent on board with with you here. Uh, so let's move on. We'll talk about let's talk about my running back here. Um, so I, I had a, a list of a bunch of guys. I started researching things, and, and what I found for this guy really stood out to me, and I couldn't not put him on this list before. Before I started this research, I wouldn't have necessarily picked this guy out, uh, but there's some shit here when you dig in, and that's Nick Chubb, running back Cleveland Browns. Now, everybody in the world knows that Nick Chubb, he's got a clock, right? Like, Kareem Hunt's coming back week 10. When Kareem Hunt's back, watch out, Nick Chubb. Early in the drafting season, people recognized this, and Chubb was being drafted running back 15, somewhere in that range. He's come all the way up to running back 9. That's a problem. And yes, the Kareem Hunt thing is real. Kareem Hunt is a fucking great running back. When he comes in here, there's no way the coaching staff lets Chubb have all the work. They're going to, at the very least, split it. But that's not my biggest or best argument against you're drafting Nick Chubb at the running back nine or anywhere near the top ten. Um, first off, let's look at his receiving numbers. Now, I realize Nick Chubb didn't start all season. Uh, I realize that Nick Chubb didn't start, even when he did start running the ball, it wasn't with his current head coach. It was with that other guy. Um, but look, if you look at Nick Chubb's pace all season long, at all 16 games, he looked at 1.8 targets per game. That's shitty. If you look only at his starts, he had 2.8 targets per game. That puts him right around running back 48 in that category. If you look at just his starts with Freddie Kitchens as his coach, 2.875 targets per game. Still lands him right around running back 35 in uh, that statistical category. That's a 16-game pace of 46 targets. That's important because this. I looked over the last three years at the top 10 running backs, right? Chubb's going as number nine. That's the top 10. I looked at the top 10 running backs over the last three years, and there's only three guys who finished in the top 10 over the last three years with less than 50 receiving targets. Uh, they are Leonard Fournette as your boy. Uh, he did that in 2017. There was nobody last year, by the way. Uh, Leonard Fournette in 2017 finished number eight. He had 48 targets and missed three games, so his receiving pace or his receiving target pace was well above 50. In 2016, there were two guys. That was Zeke, who finished number two. 
But look, guys, he had only had 40 targets. But let's let's be real about Zeke in 2016. Eighth most rushing touchdowns in the last 10 years. Fourth most rushing yards in the last 10 years. It was a historic season for Zeke. If you if you think Nick Chubb is in line for a historic season, even with Kareem Hunt coming back, fine. Put him in your top 10. I don't. LeGarrette Blunt was the other guy in 2016. Finished number 8. And uh, yeah, Zeke had a historic season. But LeGarrette Blunt had the eighth or the uh, most touchdowns scored in the last 10 years by any running back. In fact, he had the 15th most rush, rushing touchdowns of all time in 2016. So again, historic fucking numbers is what it takes to land you inside the top 10 without 50 receiving targets. Nick Chubb was not on pace for 50 last year with his head coach when he was starting after he hit his full stride. That should not happen again. Even with Duke Johnson gone, they've already identified the guy that's going to take that role over on the team. But do you think that Duke Johnson experience and, and, and took some took some of those receptions? He clearly did. Yes. You might say that they found the replacement they named him, but is he going to put up the same Duke Johnson numbers? Is my guess my point. The the issue is that when Kitchen started running the ball when or coaching this team. Uh, Duke Johnson's receiving numbers went down too. Sure, right? He doesn't. The ball is spread out so much around the field, and that was without Odell Beckham Jr. with David and Joku. And his That's a problem. Yeah, you're right on that. Uh, it's it's not. It's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards. I know somebody said, "Hey, maybe his receiving numbers are going to come up this year. Maybe he's going to be involved more." That was came out on Twitter by some analyst just the other day. But it's just not going to happen. It's not in the cards. It's not in Freddie Kitchen's offense, and it's really not in Nick Chubb's wheelhouse. It's just not what he does. He may, he may end up fine running back 15, 16, 17, uh, but his lack of receiving numbers, even before Kareem Hunt gets there, and, you know, Kareem Hunt's never had a ton of receiving numbers either, but he can do it. Uh, Better than, I don't know. They're just not good. Two more arguments I want to make here. The next one is, uh, breakaway runs. Nick Chubb had a ton of them last year. This is 20 plus yard runs. I think he had 11 last year on 190 carries. That was right at about 5.3% of his carries, rushing carries, went for more than 20 yards. 5.3 is big. In fact, 5 itself is a really big number. If you look back to the past 10 years, over the last 10 years in football, there have only been 13 running backs who have had 5% of their carries or more go for 20-plus yards. And there's only three times, three guys in the last 10 years that have done that more than once. Three guys in the last 10 years that have done that more than once. That's it. That was Fred Jackson. He did it in 2011 and 2012. Fred Jackson? In one of those years, 2012, he had 150 plus carries. Nope, 2011, sorry. Justin Forsett did it twice. He did it in 2009 and 2014. Terrible names. In 2014, Forsett had 150 plus carries, but not in 2009. And the last one, Run DMC. Oh, it's Darren McFadden. Darren McFadden, there you go. Yeah. Darren McFadden did it in 2010, 2011. Only one of those years in 2010 did he have more than 150 carries. So look, my point is this. Nick Chubb made his nut on 20-plus yard carries. He's not going to do it again. It's very rarely done. And if he does do it again, history tells us it'll be with less than 150 carries, which will not land him inside the top ten. That's just not enough. Where is he currently going? Number nine. Number nine. Yeah, I I agree with you on a couple points here. One, the biggest thing to me is just Hunt 
these guys that these number ones produce all year and, and usually get to week 10, 12 and just produce, right? Yeah. Hunt's going to get there and he's going to take away some of the carries. And I just can't see Chubb being a number, a top 10 when you have another legitimate running back come in there and just take points. Absolutely. I got one more argument against Nick Chubb. Okay. Because I'm not done. This is his offensive line. Now, if I just ask you how was Cleveland's offensive line last year, you'd probably say they were good. It wasn't that good. Off the top of my head, I always thought they were good. They they were much like the Jets, in fact. They did a great job of protecting the passer. They were a really bad run-blocking group last year. In fact, they had the second worst yards before contact in the league last season. 24 uh, negative rushes, which landed them in the worst five in the league there as well. Look, you take out... Their best interior offensive lineman, that was Zeitler from last year, who was traded away. He was a top 10 at his position in the right guard position last year. He was traded away, replaced by a guy who was drafted high last year in the second round, but not all that high. And I can't see this offensive line getting a lot better. Um, So bad offensive line, guy that doesn't catch the ball. We cannot expect him to go uh, 20 plus yards all that often anymore uh, because it just doesn't happen. Twice in a row, it doesn't happen twice with the amount of carries he's in line to get. This is not all that exciting of a player. Look, he had a 5.3 yards per carry last season. If you take away all his 20-plus yard breakaway runs, his yards per carry efficiency, 3.3. Big part because of that offensive line. If you take away those those runs. If you take away the breakaways. 3.3. 3.3. Yeah. So out of his 196 carries... 185 of those carries went for 3.3 per. That's not great. I don't think he's going to be running back nine this year. What do you think he's going to finish? 18, 19? I, I, I would anticipate he finishes right around 20, yeah, because he's going to, I mean, he's going to get a lot of, he's going to be huge early. He's going to be early and he's going to put up points. My biggest thing with him is it's, it's, it's going to be the first quarter, five, six weeks that he's going to be, and after that, he's going to, can fall off. Yeah. Lo- he's going to lose you playoff games if you take him. Correct. As your running back one, which you have to do right now. Go ahead with your next hit. Number two here for me is going to be A.B. Antonio Brown, folks. My biggest argument here is going is wide receiver, wide receiver number nine. He's just a fucking idiot. Okay? He's, fuck, he's not focusing on football. Rather, his fucking helmet, right? It's because that's mm. the biggest his, his worry. His GM fucking tells him, fucking, it's time he gets all in. And what does he do? He's still arguing about his helmet. My, he has too many distractions. It's just too risky for him to take in as a number one wide receiver. It's too much risk. He's got frosty feet. He, he's got those frosty feet. Um, he has his. He's got the bottom and tier in terms of um strength of schedule here, right? His bottom three in matchups on for quarterbacks and wide receivers. He's got early games against Chicago and Denver. Late games when you're playing for the championship against Jacksonville and Chargers. Ooh, those are tough matchups. Okay, he's never caught a TD from anyone else in Ben Roethlisberger. Ever. Ever. He doesn't put up points when it's not Big Ben. He's 31 years old. Are you telling me he never caught a touchdown pass with any of those? No. Wow. Landry Jones never threw him. Landry Jones never threw him one, okay? He's 31 years old. He's on the downside of his career. There's too much risk. Everything screams to me, don't fucking draft this guy. Here's a great stat. His previous three years, AB led the league in average depth of target. If you look at what's important stats for fucking wide receivers, average depth of target is the one of the very highest along with target share. Guess what? Derek Carr ranks number 18 on average depth of throw. This is just a terrible 
there's just not good numbers here, and there's nothing pointing to you that AB is going to be a top 10 wide receiver. I can't tell our listeners that he's going to be a number one wide receiver for their championship team. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not fucking touching him. And if you watch Hard Knocks at all, like you see Derek Carr sitting there like saying, everybody's asking the coaching staff, Carr, all these questions about AB, and all Carr keeps saying is like, I just want to try throwing it to him. Like, I've never <laughs> thrown him the ball. I don't know how fast he is. Like, this is legit stuff, chemistry, that you have to work out. Chemistry! And if it doesn't, if you don't throw a ball to your wide receiver until week one in the NFL, like, it's going to take a little while. Well, part of that, because every time he goes down the practice field, he fucking ends up leaving because he doesn't like the fucking helmet rule. Yeah, yeah. He's a little faster than Jordy Nelson, so it's a transition for <laughs> for Carr to try to make from throwing to these guys uh, to throwing it. I agree with you 100%. Avoid Antonio Brown for sure. All right, uh, let me hit you with my next. Uh, this is no surprise. I've said it before on the show. This is George Kittle, who since just last week has bumped up in the ADP from tight end three to tight end two. Over to Zachary. Bullfrog agrees. He took him tight end two in our mock draft just the yeah. other day. He's all about some George Kittle. I am not uh, for a couple of reasons. One... As I've said before, last year, George Kittle did what he did when he had shit for quarterbacks. Just nothing, right? Nick Mullins throwing in the ball. Who Nick Mullins sucked last year. He was just chucking it up to the biggest fucking red jersey he could find. Number two, there was nobody else there to catch the ball. The receiving core was completely depleted. Dante Pettis got hurt a couple of times. Marquise Godwin was God knows fucking where injured. He did, I don't think he played at all. Um, Not very much. So he was the only one there. Look, I, I broke these down and put some actual numbers to these arguments just to make it a little more compelling for Bullfrog specifically. Uh, let's look at the season pace for George Kittle with Jimmy Garoppolo. They've played together for seven games, okay? Jimmy's back. He's the quarterback now. They've played together for seven games. You take their pace Spread it out to 16 games. It's 56 catches, 896 yards, two touchdowns. That is not tight end two numbers. Not even close. Now, you might be saying, hey, in four of those games, Kittle wasn't even the starter on his team. It was his rookie year. So if we just look at last year, Jimmy Garoppolo as the starter, George Kittle as the starter, there was only three games. Mind you, it was a small sample, but their 16-game pace was 64 catches, 1,018 yards, Zero touchdowns, okay? If you look at just the 16-game pace with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter, and all we're basing this on is his number of targets he got with Jimmy Garoppolo, then you can use his production from the rest of the year. That's his catch rate, his touchdown rate, his yards per catch. All we're looking at with Jimmy G is how much did he target him? Well, that gives you a pace of 70 catches, 1,085 yards, Four touchdowns. Is that tight end two? Are you asking me? The answer is no. The answer is no. So the best possible case, the best thing I can do, the best projections I can give you are Jimmy Garoppolo with George Kittle. Uh, just looking at their targets, I'll give you his production as the other guys, and it's four fucking touchdowns, just over a thousand yards. After Jimmy Garoppolo left last year with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, the 16 game pace, I mean, it was 13, so we saw most of it, was 93 catches, 1,441 yards, and five touchdowns. So there's a huge difference in catches. There's a huge difference in yardage when Jimmy's there and when Jimmy's not there. Jimmy Garoppolo is there right now. 
So that takes care of the quarterback argument. Let's look at the workload argument, okay? Um, I don't think he's going to get the workload he got because there are other positional players there, skilled players there that can now take some of that workload over. Last year, 26.2% of the target share when nobody else was there to catch the ball. That was number two at the position. Uh, That won't repeat when you put wide receivers on the field. 26% of the red zone target share Number five at the position. Again, nobody else was on that team to catch the ball. 33% of the end zone target share. That was number two at the position with nobody around. All three of those numbers are going to come down because we add maybe Jarek McKinnon back onto this team who can catch balls. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Tevin Coleman onto this team that can catch balls, catch touchdown balls. A healthy Chris Godwin back onto this team. A healthy year two, Dante Pettis back onto this team. You like Jalen Hurd to take some touchdowns away because he's a huge fucking guy. Debo Samuel is added to this team. There's weapons on this team now. All of those target numbers are going to come down. Froggy sat here the other day and told us the number that's going to improve is his touchdown mark. There's a lot of room for touchdown improvement for George Kittle. Well, look, George Kittle scored five touchdowns last year. That was seventh best among tight ends. The fourth best tight end had six touchdowns. Tight ends don't score touchdowns. Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz do. But that's it. Tight ends don't fucking score touchdowns. Five touchdowns is great for a tight end in the NFL. Is there that much room for him to improve there? I say no with those other guys on the field. Well, I agree... I mean, this one's an interesting one to me. I guess my, my only my pushback might be a little bit here is George Kittle is number two tight end. Where does this go? Like, where do you where do you draft him at? Because this is what this all this is what this depends on to me. It's like Kittle's number two tight end. Great. If I if number two tight end to me is a fifth round, not bad. He's going in round three. Yeah, that that's that's. I guess to your point is is that's early compared to what receivers running backs that you could they're passing up. I think Kittle's going to end tight end four. Maybe even tight end five if one of these other guys actually Ingram's comes up. Gonna p- pass him up. But my point is, my tight ends number. I do think Ingram will pass him. My tight ends number three down through tight end number eight are all just within a few points. Sure. And to me, Kittle's in that range. I'm not gonna say streamable, but he's he's pushing it for me. I can't imagine. I mean, you are hundred percent correct here. Kittle is stream. He's flying up draft boards, passing Ertz, which I find I'm, everyone's picking Ertz as a bust. Um, I like Kittle still. I, I'm not. I'm not in agreement with you that he's that he's not a value. Like to me, it's really just about understanding that then there's Kelsey and then there's a bunch of tight ends. Yeah, I, I like Ertz is good. I like Ertz as well, but there's still Kelsey and then a bunch of tight ends. Kittle's one of them. He's not Kelsey. He's not the range where you should definitely be. You should. I, I'm. I mean, you need to have all of your running backs, all of your wide receivers, and your flex positions taken care of before you consider a George Kittle. Is what I'm saying in your draft. You got That's a pretty strong statement. Yeah, I feel good about it. You got. Did you hear my arguments? Yeah. There's, they, there's some. There's some that are good. There's some. There's a lot of, of conjecture from you. Solid as shit. You got one more you want to talk about? I could tell you on, on a, a quarterback that would for surely pass out. That's fucking A-Rod. Sure, hit me. I, A-Rod to me, folks. I know who he is. He's a Hall of Fame fucking quarterback. He's got all the good skill set. The problem is he's got Matt LaFleur joining this fucking offense and running this offense. If you paid attention at all, I have not bought into A-B for this reason. There's too much going on around the team that's just not about football. Um, 
And I know A-Rod's pretty good. I know what he's going to do. But don't don't be surprised here, folks, if he falls outside the top five. And I made this bet with you earlier yes, you that did. he's not going to be a top five quarterback this year. I I foresee, we talked about this before, Deshaun Watson, Baker, I think as long as my boy Luck is healthy, he'll be there. Watch out for guys like Prescott, Cam Newton, that, that score a lot on the ground. I just think there's a lot of challenges that A-Rod's going up against. So don't draft him. Okay. I, and I, trust me, if, and if I look at my my guys here, Le'Veon Bell, fucking A-Rod, and Antonio Brown, if you just look at numbers when they play, they're fucking phenomenal. I get it? Yeah. But there's better value elsewhere. Careful paying for paying for paying those prices. For past experience. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, news just popped a couple of seconds ago on my phone here. Melvin it, Gordon, signed. And it might have, no, it might have some bearing on your Aaron Rodgers thing because it involves one of the quarterback names you brought up ahead of him just a second ago. Cam Newton's in a walking boot. Ooh, that's not good. It's not great. Ron Rivera won't get into it, won't tell us the specifics of it, but he left his preseason game. He's now in a walking boot. All right, should we hit him with Bullfrog's one uh, bust to here? I'll just read to you his bullet points, and if it makes sense, it makes sense, and if it doesn't, uh, it's his fucking fault. His bust here is the wide receiver number 11 in ADP. That's Keenan Allen, right? So Keenan Allen, uh, as Bullfrog points out, doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. Eight touchdowns is his career high. He did that in his rookie year. He's been right around six touchdowns in his complete seasons since then. I'm assuming last year he only had 14 targets inside the 20. Only five targets inside the 10. So that that coincides with that eight touchdown mark. He's not scoring touchdowns because he's not getting a lot of red zone looks. And it makes sense to me because that's what Mike Williams thrives at. He's a great end zone receiver. Uh, I don't expect that number to come up for Keenan Allen a whole lot. Double-digit targets only 10 times last season. Uh, so maybe even his, his target count's coming down. I know that part of the reason that happened is that he was a little dinged up toward the tail end of last season. Maybe he'll come in. That's a good set. An interesting set to me because I'd like to know is how many number one wide receivers actually, I mean, how many times do they get 10 or more targets? That's a great stat of the week for next week. Yes. Sir, make a note for yourself. Bullfrog says, hey, Keenan Allen's got the uh, gauntlet of shutdown corners coming at him to start the season over the first half of the season. He's got the Colts. He's got the Lions. He's got the Texans, the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Titans, the Bears, all within the first eight weeks of the season. There's some pretty good, I don't know that they're all necessarily shutdown corners on that I team. I wouldn't go as far as shutdown. But there are some pretty fucking good corners on that team. They are some pretty good wide receiver one, at least, passing defenses that they're looking at. Um, his only break, he says, comes when he, get, he gets to play Kansas City twice, uh, I, I assume, in the first eight. I mean, put anything on the back half of the season here because it's tough to look at defenses in the back half of the season. That's a hard thing to to do. But, uh, yeah, he's got a tough schedule first half of the year. I'm, I agree with that. Uh, maybe he puts up big numbers in a few games, but it's not the wide receiver one you'll be looking for. That's the Amari Cooper argument. Well, that's, that, I mean, honestly, I think that's, I think that's the biggest problem with Keenan Allen before he gets on the head is he's kind of done that his whole career, right? He, he, he plays like, he's number one, number one wide receiver. But he's only maxed out at eight TDs as a career high per season. That's just not enough for the guys versus like Antonio Brown in his prime, Julio Jones, and just overall production. Yeah, if you're taking him as your one, um, 
you need more than six touchdowns. Correct. Right? Because those touchdowns are the games that are going to win you weeks. The weeks he's scoring touchdowns. He can go 100 yards all fucking day. But if he's not scoring you touchdowns, it's not wide receiver one worthy at least. You can find T.Y. Hilton that's going to do that. Sure. Hey, same, same fucking guy, T.Y. Hilton, right? He averages five touchdowns. I mean. And he's probably going in wide receiver 13. Sure. All right, so those those are our busts. Bullfrog's lazy ass didn't put a second on there, which is fine because his notes are harder, well, almost as hard to read as my own. But uh, we've got one last thing that we want to talk to you guys about today. Oh, yeah. Kind of sweet. Kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. When are you going to make some droughts for us? His are good. His are good it's man. a new, it's so much. His is so good. There's so much enthusiasm for it. So if, you, if you're new to the show, you, you weren't listening to us last year, we play another fantasy game that you've never heard of before. We invented the damn thing. We created it, and we called it, thanks to one of our loyal listeners, three in the pink, two in the stink. Uh, it's a really easy game to play. We want all of you listening to play along with us. I'll tell you a little bit about it right now. Um, basically, it's a draft day value game. Okay, so we're looking at ADPs in the last possible draft day. That's going to be next weekend, right before the season begins. We're going to pick our guys on next, week, next week's show. We're looking at those ADPs, and we're making some player selections. Three guys that you like, two guys that you don't like, the values of for their draft. So here's the breakdown of what your roster for three in the pink, two in the stink needs to look like. And if you want to play along, just send us those names. Email them to us, yourfootballfantasy at gmail.com. Tweet them at us. I'm at dweeznutsallzies, no S's, or at YFF the Bullfrog. We'll get them. Uh, here we go. First guy that you need to pick is your balls deep player. That is a running back or wide receiver that is being drafted in the top 20 at his position in ADP. This is the guy that you like to perform better than his ADP. So if you draft him, if you pick him, he's going at running back 16 and he finishes a week at running back 5. You get 11 points. It's that fucking easy. So if, to the listeners, it's probably not beneficial to pick number one running back. Eh, somebody chose that la- to do that last year, but they can figure that out themselves. <laughs> Each week, wherever they finish, you're going to get points based on that ADP. So if you pick him at 16, he finishes at 40, you're getting negative 24 points on that week. So, so pick a guy who you think week in and week out is going to outperform his ADP. Going inside the top 20 as your ball's deep guy. The next guy you need to pick is your half-shaft player. He's going to be a guy going running back or wide receiver, being drafted between 21 and 40 at his position that you think is going to outperform that number. And finally, you need a just-a-tip player, somebody going 41 to 60 at his position. Running backs or wide receivers only, please. Uh, and again, you want somebody that can outperform that. So you're going to win or lose this game based on last year's experience with your just-a-tip player. If you can get a guy at 50, ADP 50, and he finishes top 12 six weeks out of the year, you're getting a shitload of points, right? You want those fucking points, so be careful with that selection. Next up, you're going to pick two guys that you don't like. That's the two in the stink part of this equation. First up is an ugly stick. You want a running back or receiver being taken in the top 12 at his position that you think is going to underperform that ADP. So you pick him, 
He's the number two wide receiver. He finishes wide receiver 40 somewhere. You're getting a fucking boatload of points. So that's a nice place to make up some points. Finally, your 10-foot pole player. This is a wide receiver or running back being drafted between ADPs 13 and 24 at his position. Somebody you think is going to underperform that ADP. Look, it's this easy. You pick the guys, you send them to us, you're fucking done on the season. Every week on our show, we're going to talk about how everybody's doing. We're going to run down how we did. Uh, And at the end of the whole thing, somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to win a pretty nice giveaway this year. So please play along. All you got to do is send us those names. I'm going to post these rules for this game on Twitter and start asking for your submissions it's about that time. Wiz, do you know who you're going to pick? Have you thought about it yet? Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not willing to, to, to state it out loud yet, but I'm, i got some ideas in my head. Okay. What yeah. do you think's the hardest spot right here? What's the hardest position out of these? To me, the hardest positions to pick are the balls deep and the ugly stick. Because there's, sure. there's not a lot of room for error in the balls deep. If you pick a guy that's at 10, the best he can do for you is score nine in a week, right. but he's probably going to be losing your points, right? I, I tend to think this year, for me, is at least the ugly stick position seems to be a little bit harder. You think those guys are good? Well, I think, yeah, I think running back, I think it's it's deep enough. It looks like that. We talked about Le'Veon Bell a little bit. You what didn't, about, what you about didn't, Chubby? Chubby's a good one, but I mean, that's still top 12, so at best, you're talking about three points. Yeah. Well, and the ugly stick. If he finishes 40, I'm scoring yeah, 25. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, but you're still picking a guy that's in that range, right? Like Antonio Brown. I mean, Antonio. I don't like Antonio Brown, but he still might be wide receiver 20. Yeah. Might not fall that far. So, you know, it's a draft day value game. Let's have it. How good are you at evaluating the value of players pre-draft? Wiz, you beat the two of us last year after your huge air. You picked Aaron Jones as your half shaft. Even though he was suspended for the first four, he fucked you in the first four. But he came on strong, right? I beat you guys? Really? Get out of here. Yeah, it was amazing. Bullfrog came in last place. Everybody (laughs) that played. Anyway. um, All right, so look, that's it. Send us those submissions. You know where to send them. Now you know how to play. Check Twitter if you want to follow up on those rules. Or rewind two minutes and you can hear it all again. Before we leave you, Wiz, you're going to hit us with a uh, lesson of the day. You better get Froggy over here to do that. I don't really have less in the day. You got one? Um, if you're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. call your wife and ask permission first. It's, good. it's a good recommendation. They got good pizza. Do they? Stuffed crust, pepperoni. I didn't even, seriously. Clutch. Hmm. It, was, it was good. It was edible. A lot better than I remember. Okay, well, that's good. That's good information. All right, go home, watch that movie, make sure your wife's awake or not. I don't know how you get down. Put it on her if she's sleeping. And uh, enjoy your bonus. Fuck off, everybody. We'll see you next week. Football's coming! Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Football Fantasy. Now pull up your pants, subscribe, and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find more from these limp dick butt pirates at www.yourfootballfantasy.weebly.com. <laughs>